Do you really need to grow your pet business? Does it really need to be bringing in five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand months? Do you have to be the biggest and the best? Well, that's something that we hear a lot of, isn't it, online? And this week on the podcast, I'm chatting to a very wise lady called Jane Arden. Jane has been in the dog training industry for nearly 20 years, starting out with a £50 course where she went to learn how to get better at training her own dogs fell in love with it and decided to leave her corporate job behind to pursue a dream of being a dog trainer. Jane has got a really successful dog business in the Northwest and she has done so many different things. She has had a doggy daycare, she's had a team, she's not had a team, she's launched an app, she's had online, she does classes, she's done in person, she's done one-to-one, she's been a behaviourist, she's done so many different things. And she's also had some things that have happened in her personal life over the last year that have been challenging as well. And she has got so much wisdom to share with you. And I just love everything that she said in this episode. I decided to speak to Jane. I've never actually spoken to her before. She's one of those people who you know off social media, but you've never had a conversation with, but always fascinated by what she's got to say. And she posted something about about what striving for success and fame is all about and how it just feeds the ego and it will always be hungry for more. And that she wanted a quiet life and to be able to do the things that she enjoys. So that really grabbed my attention and I really wanted to come to get her to come and talk to you on the podcast. So I'm going to hand over to the main episode now with Jane. All of the links to go and follow her are in the show notes. Um, and do go and follow her and tell her what you think of this. Because I think a lot of what she says here is what we need to hear right now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed chatting to her. I'll hand you over to Jane now and look forward to seeing you on the next one. So Jane, it's really good to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Uh, Yes, thanks for having me for starters. Um, My name is Jane Arden. I am a dog trainer, stroke behaviourist, and I'm based in Bury, Lancashire. Um, Always been interested in dogs and always kind of done like sports and activities with dogs. Um, got into professional training. I think I started my classes in 2006. Um, and there wasn't really any positive reinforcement based classes in my area. So that was kind of why I started. Um, I went on a dog training course, like my first dog training course back, back then. Um, it was 50 pounds for the whole weekend. Wow. And it was practical. It was a two-day practical weekend uh, with a lady called Jenny Watson who was involved in competitive obedience. Um, and I got my little certificates and off I went running my dog training classes. I definitely wasn't all positive at the time um, and probably wasn't really that good either. <laughs> um, you know, I was pretty new. But, yeah, it kind of built up. It was just a hobby, running classes at the church hall. And I then ended up um, getting more and more into it. And then I actually took voluntary redundancy at work. So I was a um, business improvement analyst for Centrica. Oh, wow. um, Where I used to like make processes, reduce the cost to serve and reduce manpower and all that kind of stuff. Um, It was all very dull. (laughs) It sounds quite helpful nowadays, though. It it is. Go on. (laughs) 
Um, and I do remember thinking to myself, um, because the redundancies come up, and I thought, you know what, if I can save this company like millions of pounds every week, then surely I can run my own business. Um, so let's give it a go. So, yeah, I took my voluntary redundancy. So I had like a good year of income that actually helped me out. Um, and I went on to do the COPE diploma. And then after the COPE diploma, I went on to do the uh, foundation degree at Bishop Burton. And then I topped that up with the BSE um, afterwards. While I was doing that, I was doing a lot of dog walking, um, doing some one-to-one training. I eventually got my training centre um, and just did more classes, more dog training, um, went through huge variation of like change through that, through learning about um, like what I wanted to do and, and what I thought I wanted to do and then like like doing it and then going, oh, actually, it's not quite so great. Um, so I've done like lots of lots of changing over the years of kind of how I run things, what kind of stuff I do. Um, I had Liam Burgers for 20 years. Wow. Um, so they were kind of like my first breed. And then because I got so into dog training, I decided I wanted something with a bit more oomph yeah. about it um, and got myself a wild Cocker Spaniel. And now I have eight Cocker Spaniels, um, which I work and do bits and bobs and activities with them. Um, yeah, so I've been running my training centre. I've done lots of um, train the trainer stuff. I've done lots of speaking. I'm a member of the Professional Speaking Association. Um, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of me really. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you've done so much over the years and, and yeah, I love that you've gone from a from I know you said it was quite dull, but I bet it was really useful having that corporate background going into running a business. And like you say, at the early days of positive reinforcement training when what you were doing probably was quite, would have been would have been very different or would have been pre, well progressive I guess wouldn't it I've talked about this before but my first, I got my first dog in 2009 and we I found I basically found a trainer from the yellow pages because that's what you know that's what you did back then wasn't it yeah who wasn't positive and I, I wish I'd looked harder at the time but um yeah it's really interesting hearing your background particularly like your breed change and everything and I imagine you've seen like a lot of changes then in in what you do to to grow your business and get it out there as well, haven't you, over those years? What what has it been like from 2006 when you first started to like where, where you are today? Like what kind of things have you seen? So I so I started offering dog walking um, and I was um, like quite expensive at the time, but yeah. um, I think I was charging £15 an hour for a single walk. Um, and... They're like, but there wasn't any, there literally was like no other dog walkers. Like people were like, you do what for a living? People pay you to walk their dog. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing some dog walking. There was, I think there was one other girl in the area. Um, and there was literally just me and her who were, who were doing dog walking, which was a completely new thing. So like looking at it now, it's like this huge industry. So I started doing the dog walking. I started offering one-to-one training. Um, big thing for me, and I've always kind of um, kept to this, is like, like stay in your lane, know your boundaries and your limitations. I think when we're working with animals, for me, like ethics is really important and part of 
knowing what you're capable and competent at um, when you're taking people's money off them is like for me is is a huge part of the ethics it's not just about training methods it's about like how we interact with people as well and and being honest and open with with clients and customers so I've always done lots of referring stuff on I've done lots of learning um I kind of went on and obviously I was doing my degree and doing Mm -hmm. lots of learning through that when I set up my training center it was called Wagga Wuffin's Canine Activity Centre. And it was going to be this all singing, all dancing, um, like one-stop shop for people to come. I was going to have hydrotherapy, grooming, daycare, dog training. There's going to be like everything was going to be squeezed into this, yes. this unit, <laughs> which, which, which thinking back, it wouldn't have fitted in anyway. Um, so I started doing doggy daycare. I did doggy daycare for six months and I hated it um like it was just not my thing at all I was I just struggled to be around dogs that were really badly trained yeah and had had no manners and I was just being paid to look after them I wanted to train them and teach them manners and things like that but I wasn't being paid for that so I really kind of struggled with the whole idea of just I was like I I come to realize I was like I just want to train dogs um I also felt that personally for me to do it profitably it was not it it just wasn't going to work I was like it's just not going to work I would I felt like I would have to compromise on the care I would expect for my dogs um to be able to make money out of that so my decision in the end was that you know it's like there's other people doing this so I'm just going to leave them to do that and I'm going to focus on my center um I'd spent a lot of money making my centre really lovely and I also couldn't cope with the dogs peeing all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. As well. So, again, yeah, I was just like, this This is, this, you know, I thought this was my thing and, and it's not my thing. Um, I did my degree so I could become a behaviourist because I thought I thought at the time that was like the pinnacle of, of being in the dog industry. And then when I started doing behavior work, I actually decided that I didn't like like talking to people and writing reports. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was like, I just like training dogs. And, you know, I've always come back to this. I just like training dogs when I've yeah. tried, when I've, when I've tried different things out. Um, I ended up, I've had staff. I had dog walking staff at one point. I think I had five members of staff. And again, I come to the point and I was like, like, this is how you grow your business, isn't it? You know, you get you get premises and you get staff and, you know, you do this and you do that and you start like offloading stuff elsewhere. And so I was going through that process. And then suddenly one day I was like, I'm just managing people. I was like, but I want to train dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I just want to train dogs. So. What I did was um, was I cut back. I yeah. actually cut back. I thought actually, you know, because I did when I worked for um, Centrica, I did, I did, I was a team manager at one point, and I was like, I was getting a really good wage elsewhere for managing people, and now I'm meant to be living the dream, and I'm earning less money, and I'm managing people. <laughs> um, so so I went back to doing just a lot of the stuff myself. Um, recently in the last few years. 
I've kind of gone, I went back into that, let's grow the business, let's mm-hmm. do this, let's, you know, that's that's what everyone else is doing. Um, grew the business again, ended up going fat registered. Um, and and again, I was just like, is this what I want to do? And I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing and assuming that's just what you should do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I think, I think, I think the online world doesn't does well. The online world feeds into that, doesn't it? I've just been um, just ahead of me chatting to you. I've been doing some research into a podcast that I want to do about, like you know, the roller coaster of having a small business, and found yeah. a load of studies um, carried out by you know people people like um, you know Price Coopers um, and Zero, so you know the credible about how small business owners feel and a lot about the emotional impact and stress and anxiety and stuff. And I'm reading it and thinking, and the figures are really, really shocking. And, you know, it's not like only 2% feel stressed and anxious. The figures are really high. And I, you know, we see a lot of things online, don't we? We see all the really good stuff about people growing the businesses and nobody really wants to talk about the, the tough stuff or the bits that they don't enjoy. But the fact is over half of small business owners are really struggling with stress and anxiety, according to several different studies I've come across this afternoon. And all we're seeing is the good stuff, aren't we? And I think we can, it's so easy to get swept away by this grow, grow, grow. You've got to be this, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be moving up every year. And actually, is it okay just to bimble along earning what you earned five years ago or even 10 years ago? I kind of think that it is as long as you're kind of, as long as you're comfortable and you're earning what you need to earn um, and it's funding you to have the life that you want, then I, I actually think that's okay. And I think it's time we stop talking about having to be big and six figure this and 10 grand months and five grand months or, or you know what I mean? All of these things that we hear all the time because it's making, making us making people feel rubbish and just making us so stressed. And like you say, you had all of that when you worked for a big corporate. I had all the stress of, you know, I used to work for a national newspaper. I stepped away from that because I wanted to have a nice life. And why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. And I think it's easy to, to, to just get like wrapped up in all that. And I think, you know, like when I, when I started dog training, you know, dog trainers were, really the only dog trainers out there were retired police officers retired guide dog handlers retired security dog handlers there were some people who'd done like the british institute courses or it was people who competed in sports and like that was it that was all that was out there and like when you spoke to these people um like none of them were wealthy (laughs) (laughs) Um, they would like talk to people for hours on the phone about dogs because they were just massively passionate about it and I always think back to those I was like those like those are the people that I looked at I was like these people are living the dream they are just they've got this huge passion about dogs um, and they've retired from their work and they're now training dogs for a living Um, but you know I think and and they were literally just then they were doing it because that was their passion. That's what they loved. And there was none of this, like, you know, growing their business and, you know, all the kind of stuff that we see now. And I think, I think like my personal opinion. So I had, um, I had a breakdown last year, um, in the, in April, um, March, April time. Um, and then I recovered from my breakdown, didn't work for three months. Um, and that was a huge experience for me because, 
Um, my business ran without me, <laughs> which was which was good. Yeah. Um, but my business actually ran without me. I didn't work. I didn't work for three months, and um, then as I was kind of recovering from that, I ended up getting diagnosed with breast cancer and ended up having two surgeries. So then mm-hmm. I ended up like like not in work again for quite some time. And, you know, that whole experience really made me reevaluate, like, everything. Um, and I remember one of the hardest things when I went through my breakdown was um, I had to come off social media because, like, I was, you know, just, like, getting out of bed in the morning was, was like, my hugest achievement. Yeah. <laughs> getting out of bed and going and getting a shower was, like, my hugest achievement of the day. And on social media, I was seeing like all these all these business people doing this and doing that and doing these amazing things. And I remember like I had the, it was this horrible feeling of like being I was like I'm going to get left behind. My business is going to fail. Um, all you know, and and it really made me kind of evaluate that. You know, obviously I came off I came off social media, um, and I just kind of got on with myself, looking after myself. Um, my business still functioned without me. My my customers were still there when I came back. Um, and that was a real, that really made me kind of change and evaluate everything because I was like, I don't ever want to put myself back. I don't ever want to be back there. And I kind of, like my evaluation from that is that I think I believe that like our world that we live in now, especially with the level of technology, you know, just like like when in my, you know, nearly 50 years of my life, like did I ever have 3,000 friends? <laughs> oh, <laughs> can you like, imagine having to cope with that? Yeah, no. And I'm like, is, is that normal for humans to like have that much like social engagement and interaction? And I do believe that our bodies and our minds are absolutely not capable of coping with our current lifestyle that we live, the fast pace of it, the mm-hmm. the level of technology, the level of interaction, the you know, the stress and the pressure. And I think we we I actually think we're just not designed for it. And I think, you know, the majority of people out there are self-medicating in some way to cope with a lifestyle that doesn't suit people and you know for me I think that like literally one of the worst things you can do is jump on the bandwagon and go down the route of I must be successful because what is success you know what is what is what is successful um is is successful that you make loads of money and you're really like powerful and rich and everybody looks up to you and it's like and then you go is that really is that what you want out of life um one of the big things that i learned was learning to recognize the difference between what makes you happy and what feeds your ego because your ego will never be it will never be enough <laughs> Um, you anything that feeds your ego your ego will just want more of that and more of that and more of that and more of that so there will always be and like an un, it creates like an unfulfilled desire where what makes you happy is like it's like what makes you happy inside um for me you know 
I love, I actually love training my own dogs probably more than my customers' dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And one of the reasons why I set up my online community was because I had to train my own dogs and create content for it. Um, You know, I do, I do love training, training people's dogs and helping people and working with people's dogs. Yeah. Um, You know, and for me, you know, even like the public speaking was great. Um, And I did really well and I earned a lot of money out of it. But the level of stress that that I had to put myself through to be able to do that um, is I'm just like, don't need to do Why do I need to do it? If it, if it creates me stress, then then why am I doing it? Um, I just, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you know, you've grown, you've grown and now you've moved into, you know, you become a dog trainer, then you become train the trainer. Um, and it's like, but, but do you have to, <laughs> you know, just because everybody else is doing it? And I think sometimes it feels easier to like go with the flow and just do what everyone else is doing because that feels like it's right and it feels like it's normal. Um, and often, like swimming against the tide can feel tough. You know, if you decide that you're going to do things differently or you're going to do your own thing, sometimes that can feel tough. But I would say in the long run, um, like how does it affect you as a person? And like every decision you make in your business, you should be saying, does it does it make me so like, I wouldn't be saying, does is this going to make me more money? Is this going to mm-hmm. make me more successful? I Every time I make a decision, I go, how is this going to affect my mental and physical health? Yeah. And that would like always be the first thing that I would say, you know, that I would I would go, is this is this going to be beneficial for me as a, as a human, as a person? Is this going to benefit me? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being so honest with me there. I know we've never spoken in real life before, so I really appreciate you sharing that with me um, because I think it's I think you shared a lot of you, you expressed a lot there that people really, really need to hear. I mean, even like me, including me, I mean, one of the good things about having a podcast is you get a lot of wisdom. Um, But I wanted to ask you as well, and I hope you don't mind me asking this, with regard to you you mentioned about having a breakdown. What do you think, think, was there anything specific that you think led to that? So I I ended up um, going for therapy privately. after I had my breakdown, because I was like, hey, you know, I need to, I need to fix myself, and sort myself out. Um, I ended up going for therapy and we had a lot of like discussions. And what was interesting was we talked about um, COVID and going through, like taking a business through lockdown. And I remember that my therapist said to me, like, how, like, she said, how was you through lockdown? How did that affect you? So I said, well, actually, I said, when I think back, I said I was buzzing through it. I said, you know, I said I kept all my staff in work. I kept my business running. I said we took everything online. I said I made a fortune in that year of lockdown. I said I made more money than <laughs> from an annual point of view than I'd ever made in my business. I said I, I was like literally buzzing off it. I said, you know, gosh, it was stressful and it was hard work. I said, but I was, I was, I was on it. Yeah. And we had a discussion that she said, you know, like your nervous system kicked into fight, flight, defense because you were in a dangerous situation and a danger. I I think what people are not aware of is 
when you're running your business, it's actually your ability to survive. And it's basic, like if we look at basic behavior, your business is like what feeds you and, and your business is what keeps you alive. So any kind of threat to your business and any perceived threat to your business is generally going to like activate your nervous system. It's going to put you into, I'm in danger yeah. and I'm in defense. And a lot of people, when they're struggling with their business, is they act like a reactive dog. Um, <laughs> you know, they go, they go into a panic um, and they react on impulses based upon that their, their brain and their body is going, we're in danger. We need yeah. to, we need to protect ourselves. And I, I think sometimes that's why in the industry people are nasty to each other because mm. I think a lot of that is driven from people being in defense and feel feeling threatened. Um, so then, you know, the easiest thing to do is like attack your competitors because it, it's going to make you feel like you're taking action on what's yeah. potential danger. Um, so what was interesting was she said to me that obviously you you were, you know, COVID was in, everybody's nervous systems were in defense yeah um and she said well, you know you you used your adrenaline constructively <laughs> she said you know the, the cortisol and adrenaline that was flowing through your body because you felt that you were in in danger and your survival was at risk was you were actually you know she said you you used it constructively she said but your nervous system was still on for all that time um and um had kind of we talked about like significant stresses and the changes through that um and then my partner collapsed on me in the january um and he had a pulmonary embolism okay. um and kind of like nearly lost him and then i ended up like jumping into care mode so i was looking after him i was looking after the business i was looking after the dogs um didn't give myself time to process the experience I had with him because I was just like he's still alive he didn't die so I should just be grateful and I never give myself so my therapist said there was there was undischarged trauma from that experience as well um so yeah um what happened was my nervous system was like she said my nervous system was stuck on mm-hmm. so I was flipping from hypoarousal to hyperarousal so I was either like asleep and depressed or when I was awake I was in like a constant state of panic um and like literally just just couldn't function so yeah my body literally said Jane I found my breaking point yeah crikey oh my gosh it's it's so fascinating to hear what you said about what we went through in COVID and it all just makes so much sense because we had that that you know that threat of the virus and now you know now it's you know it's it obviously it was devastating and everything but now you know people people talk about going to work with covid and it's okay whereas then it was we were all fearing for our lives we were scared to go near anybody weren't we and then like you say we had the 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 physical fear and like you know the physical threats but of our, of our health and then the business alongside it and you obviously had your team and other people's lives to think about and you know to pay for their families and everything that that they needed yeah. so you can totally see why why it impacted on you like it did and I think as small business owners we don't give ourselves credit do we like for 
getting through COVID, getting through a pandemic and running yeah. a small business. And it's only actually having conversations like this where you think, crikey, you know, did all right, really, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like the therapist, sounds like your therapist was a, was amazing as well. She's fabulous. I yeah. I think everyone should have therapy. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> Just, and then, just to understand yourself better. Oh my gosh, it's so valuable, isn't it? That's why, you know, when I know we um, connected after I saw a really good post from you on social media and yeah, like just the stuff that you say, even just reading that post, it was like reading, it was like having therapy that you shared. It was just so, so uh, useful. Um, and yeah, why I really wanted to talk to you. And then obviously you had what happened with your health and, and, and having cancer and surgery and treatment after that. And yeah, and here we are now in September chatting for a podcast so like you know how are you now how what what is you know how are things with you now and like I guess what what I'd love to know is you know you've been through a hell of a lot um what how have you come out of it do you think what do you think you've learned um biggest so so I think my biggest takeaway was this was something I discussed with my therapist and one thing I learned is the only the only person who can work on you is you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only person who can work on you is you. And that was one thing I learned that, you know, I was like, I need to get myself better. I, I need to take responsibility for this. This is my job and my role. I've got people around me, but this is this is I've got to work on myself. Um and what I realized is is within my work, within my job. Um, there are other people who can do that work. They will always be other people that can do that work, but nobody can work on me other than me. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like, like that was a big learning experience. So for me, you know, I think if, if I'm not feeling great, the first thing I will do is just go, everything else comes second. Like literally, if, if I'm not feeling 100% or I'm right, then something has to change. Um, some you know and that might mean cancelling appointments it might mean that I've got this great big idea that I might want to do and I'm like well I'm not going to do it um, yeah. right now it's not it, it can wait but at the moment um so for me it's very much about like put just just putting yourself first and your mental health understanding what what makes you happy what nourishes you what makes you feel good what what do you enjoy what do you enjoy doing and I think you know you can you know I make a good living out of out of what I do I'm not rich and wealthy I've got my little three-bed house in Blakely but you know I've got eight dogs <laughs> <laughs> I've got a nice you know I've got I've got my old Land Rover that I love and I've got my new Land Rover um and yeah and I'm like it's it's I've got I've got people around me. I've got friends around me. You know, I have a good time every week. I do cool stuff. I enjoy training my dogs. Um, I go out and, you know, I can go out and eat. I can eat out if I want. If I want to go on holiday, I can go on holiday. But I'm not the kind of person who's going to want to go for Mar to Mauritius for three weeks. I'm just going to pile the dogs in the back of the Land Rover and drive around the countryside. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I can provide the things that I want and the things that nourish me and, and make me feel good with with the work that I do. You know, so I think I don't I don't want to have this huge successful business um where I've got employees to manage and and you know um 
other people that I've outsourced work to to manage um yeah I'm just like I'm like dude, just yeah dude, who needs who needs that maybe I'm just getting old <laughs> well I think we might be quite similar in it I'm like for I'm going to be 48 in January so I think from what you said a little bit earlier about being close to 50 we're probably near yeah. similar in age aren't we so yeah. yeah I'm I'm totally with you um just wanting to yeah have the have have enough to do the things that I want to do and you know do things that I want to do with my dog and and yeah and that's it really I'm quite happy with that and I think I think as well you know I think social media does put a lot of pressure on people and what I've like one of the things I've um often said to people when they're starting out is is I've said you know time is time within your business and time and and your own time is really important so like when people say to me oh I'm self-employed I don't have any time and I'm like but you have an option you're self-employed you do actually have if you learn how to manage your time Mm -hmm. you do have an option to have more more free time and I think even in, in your business I think it's important to consider what you're doing with your time so I've had some like new trainers who've um there's a lot of focusing on marketing at the moment everyone's like you need to do marketing and market your business and I always say to people you know there's so many different models and ways to run your business like one model may absolutely not suit you it doesn't mean just because it's a successful model or it's a good model means that it's going to be a model that's right for you. And I always say to people, you know, when you first start, like my personal advice to people is, you know, get good at dog training. Yeah. Like that would that would be my advice is, is if it is your passion, get good at dog training and then get better at dog training. Yeah. So if you if you start out and nobody knows you, you've got options you can go in at a reasonable price and you're going to get loads of dogs and you're going to get loads of experience and you're going to become a better dog trainer through that practical experience if you go in at a high price um, you're not going to get a lot of dogs and you're going to have to spend a lot of time marketing so you're going to get good at marketing and you're going to have to keep being good at marketing because you're not going to develop your dog training skills mm-hmm practically you know so for me I think it's always you know and that's what I learned is I was like I was I was running a dog training business but I was just managing people that was all my time was being spent on managing the other people in the business um and the admin side and I was like what am I doing so now my business pretty much you know I do I have a couple of trainers but I do most of the training Mm -hmm. um, and I have staff to do the admin because that's the bit that I don't want to (laughs) do yeah no it's interesting what you just said there about getting a lot I've wrote it down because I'm sad well I do I just make notes anyway because of my background but I love what you said about getting good at dog training and then get better at dog training and then and I guess I guess the outcome of that is you get known for being a brilliant dog trainer and you that you can grow that way and, yeah, and you don't I think you, you don't you then like with me marketing it's like if you've got if you're doing a good job and you're getting yourself clients then your clients will will market you your clients will sell you and people will come to you you know and i think even in a world where maybe this is because we're you know maybe it's because we're a bit older and you know i was like at one point we all ran our businesses um 
without social media, without computers. Yeah. Um, and people ran businesses through, you know, through word of mouth, through recommendations. And, you know, that still exists. You know, there are some people who run their businesses like off grid. Um, I'd love I'd love to have the guts to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure I have. Um, but, you know, there are some people running their businesses like off 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 grid. You know, they're not they, they, they're just there in their little shops with selling their stuff and 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 still making a living out of it. You know, so I think that, um, you know, for me, like with my social media, I, I don't like to do. I actually don't feel comfortable doing selling on social media. So I very much just focus on the no like trust aspect mm-hmm. of I'm just like, here I am. This is me. I'm doing my thing. Sometimes it's all right. Sometimes I make mistakes. Um, and I just, I just, I'm just me. I just present me as the best, like as, as best that I can. And then I just say, I'll just find my people. I'm not going to be for everybody. Not everybody's gonna like me. Um it's not and I'm like and I'm okay with that. Um and yeah, I think, you know, this is another one I always think about when people talk about niching, everybody's mm-hmm. niching at the moment. And I think, you know, and we niche into like most people are niching into like types of training or niching into certain dog breeds. Um and I think really like if we're genuinely niching, what we should be doing is understanding ourselves and finding clients that we match. Yeah. From a you know from a from a belief system, from a personality point of view, and I think, and then that's a niche that nobody else can, nobody can compete with you, um, because because it's you. The niche yeah. is about is about matching your clients to you as a person. Um, so there's no competition you know if you go in and go oh, I'm going to like niche in spaniels then there's going to be competition out there because there's going to be other people doing the same thing but what other your competitors can't do is be you yeah this is such an interesting conversation um because I know when we were chatting via message and stuff before I said I changed the podcast and it's about your pet business content your way and my old version was uh, publicity for pet businesses my background yes. journalism and I fell into the niche of working with pet businesses because I started writing about animals and I started a blog and then had pet businesses come to me and they wanted to be on the blog and then they knew found out I could you know wrote for newspapers and they were like well yeah your blog's all right but we'd quite like to be in a bigger magazine or newspaper so I kind of fell into my niche of getting press coverage but then I found that what I really enjoyed was just helping people feel okay about talking about the businesses and do things their way. And then this kind of evolved into where I am now. So it is like the people who people who are going to be right for you are going to find you and they will find you eventually. It might take them a while, but they will find you. Um, and then, like you say, I see quite a, I see a lot about copying, particularly, I mean, I work with people who've got products as well, so as well as services, but a lot about copying. And like you've just said, they can't copy you if you're just if you're just being you and doing your thing um and yeah and I, I yeah I just love what you just said there about the kind of following the crowd and trying to fit you know trying to fit a square peg into a round hole or whatever the phrase is because that's a lot we see a lot of that as well don't we and I think I think as you get older like you say we've worked without social media and without the internet um you know on our phones and and we've we've survived haven't we yeah and yeah. it's about believing it's about trusting yourself isn't it 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's you're kind of, you know, if, if you get out there and you're doing your thing and you're doing your thing that you, you've, you're passionate about and, and you enjoy, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna do well at it, you know, because, because you've got that degree of passion. And I think, you know, we can get, like wrapped up into this um oh like I've set my business up and I've seen people now they're like oh like I've, I'm setting my dog training business up and they're jumping straight into like how do I market what about my SEO how do I you know I want to I've got these targets and their targets are like like turnover targets and I'm like what about like how many dogs you've trained and how much success <laughs> you've had with those dogs how about you know how about putting that as a target um you know, I think people and like for me, I think people are jumping from like, you know, they come in as a new dog trainer. Then they're like, oh, I'm gonna, now I'm going to do dog reactivity. Now I'm going to do behavior. Now I'm going to do train the trainer, you know, and it's like they're just racing through through the, the kind of levels before they've got kind of given themselves time to get the experience. And I think a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome because they are having pressure put on them to to do and be something that that they don't feel they're ready and I'm like if you don't feel you're ready then then just don't do that yet you know that's absolutely fine um you know I've been doing this now for I think I'm coming into my 20th year and there's still things that I'm not very good at and there's still things that I don't do and there's you know there's still aspects of it you know I thought I wanted to be a behaviorist um and then when I started doing behavior work I was like you know I have no desire to sit here writing reports after I've finished I just want to train people's dogs and one of the things I did back then was um you know the whole like set up for for behavior was like oh you do a two-hour consult and then you do a written report and you do a follow-up so like everyone sets their business up and everyone goes oh I do a two-hour consult I do a written report and I do a follow-up and then it's like because that's what you do and it's like well you know I was like for me I was observing that my clients want practical help yeah you know and sometimes what I do is I'd be like you know and the follow-up I'm like, oh, you know, have you um have you been through your report that I spent like hours writing out? And then they'd be like, Oh, we've not we've not had time, we've not opened <laughs> it yet. And I'd be fuming, I'd just be like, I've spent I spent so long on that. And it was so hard for me to write because I'm dyslexic. And I got it I got it spell checked and grammar checked and I've sent it out to you and you've not even opened it. So I ended up what I did was I changed was I said to people, Do you know what? You can have your two-hour consult and your written report or what you can have is you can have your two-hour consult and then you can have another hour of practical help with me and what you can do is you can bring a pen (laughs) (laughs) and make your own notes so what we did was that that was that was kind of what like I never wrote a report after that because all the, the clients what they would do is um they all wanted me to help them practically yeah. they all wanted the hour they didn't want the report they what they wanted the practical help um and even the behavior work that I do now I pick and choose my behavior work and generally I, I either do stuff that I don't think is like you know I'll do a lot of reactive dog stuff and what I do is I'll we'll just do four one-to-ones yeah 
I just like because that's that's what I like doing. If I if I think um, that there's anything untoward when I see the dog, I might refer them on um, for physio, for vet checks, and so on. But now I just go, do you know what? Let's just do four one to ones. Let's start working with this dog. Um, one of the other things I do quite a bit of as well is dogs who've seen behaviourists and have got a written report and are struggling with the practical aspect of applying that program and everything else they've been advised so what I often do with them is I'm like send me all your documentation I'll have a look at it and if I think I can help you um I'll help you um and work with those and I'm really I'm really really enjoying the the practical side of helping people that's that's what I like doing so so that's what I do I'm training puppies and gun dogs You've got to do that as well, haven't you? The puppies and gun dogs stuff sounds sounds yeah. like the that's the lovely fun stuff as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, you've shared so much about just doing things your way and letting go of the things that you feel like you know you should be doing and the pressure and everything. Because I, I think a lot of people will, a lot of people are feeling that, aren't they? And you know, I think ultimately we all know what we all know somewhere what we should be doing, don't we? And being, I know this might sound a bit woe and fluffy. And like, I know you talked about, about having therapy earlier. I've had fair, fair bit of therapy and then I did coaching training last year. So I've got like more into this kind of stuff. Yeah. If heard, like if I was chatting to you two years ago or three years ago, it would have been, a, it would have been a different conversation because I was more kind of no fluff. But I think we know, don't we ultimately, like what, like your gut is telling you something all the time, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. listening to that and listening to your intuition. And I think that comes with confidence and experience, doesn't it? Like you say, whether yes. it's with confidence with the dog training or however experienced you are, um, it, it does come with time, but your gut's always telling you, isn't it? It's about tuning into it and, and, and going with that. And sometimes like taking that step back and just pausing and breathing and thinking, should I really be doing this? Like yeah. if you're terrified, Yes, sometimes being, yeah, stretch yourself a little bit, but if you're absolutely terrified, then maybe you shouldn't be. And yeah, you just, just so much great advice there. I'm really conscious of your time. And, and I know you've got eight spaniels to look after um, who will be wanting to see their mum. But I guess I'd love to finish up with, we've talked about like, we've talked about your your own experience and you've got loads of loads of brilliant experience and knowledge and talked about like people coming into it new talked a little bit about you know the kind of a little bit about imposter syndrome and some of the negativity we can see in the industry I guess um I guess the big thing that I've gleaned from chatting to you is you know you just kind of finding your your own way and, and sticking with it so if if someone's listening and they're thinking actually you know I need to find my way and do things my way like what would your advice be to them about the best way to go about it I think um the first thing I would do is learn the difference between what feeds your ego and what makes you happy um that's a really important one because because they're two very different things but I think they unless you're aware how different they are they feel very similar yeah so for me it's about recognizing the the, the difference and you know there's nothing wrong with doing some things that feed your ego but but it's about recognizing that that's that's what it's doing yeah <laughs> um i think it's like really thinking about you know there's so much variation and you know there's so many customers there's so many dogs there's so many different problems there's so much variation within the industry that you know it, it's about you going what what parts of this do do i like 
And if you do something and you're not enjoying it, then don't do it. Have the confidence to go, do you know what? This isn't working for me. This isn't, this isn't working. I stopped my daycare. Um, I stopped writing behavior reports. Um, <laughs> I ran classes at one point in quite a rough area um, and it wasn't making me any money. And I stopped doing that. And that was really like like accepting that something you've decided to do and put some effort in is working is really hard. Um, my When we were kids, I think it was about 11, um, my dad's business went into liquidation and we ended up back at my grandma's. They lost their, they put everything up. They lost their car, the house, the business and everything. Obviously, I had three young kids. And I remember talking to my dad and my dad said that the the biggest mistake he made in business was not quitting when he should have quit. Yeah. That he just he just held on to something that he'd worked so hard at. And I remember taking that advice and closing down my classes <laughs> in the rough area. Because yeah. people wouldn't drive. People wouldn't drive there and leave their cars there for the session. So I was struggling to fill the places. Um, yeah, I was running classes in the next town and I had a ridiculous waiting list. Um, so again, you know, that, that was like a lesson for me was location, yeah. <laughs> location's important to people. Um, but I think, you know, I think, you know, we muddle through and we make mistakes. I think there's nothing wrong with going, you know, Hey, I made a mistake here. Don't keep on with something if it's not working for you. And just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that it's like your thing. Um, don't look at what other businesses are doing. Don't look at what other businesses are charging. Don't look at, you know, yeah, if you want some ideas, but don't, don't like build your business around what everyone else is doing around you. Build your business around your passion and like what nourishes you and what, what you enjoy and what makes you feel good. You will have, you will always have customers. Well, I can't think of a more perfect thing to end on than that, Jane, honestly, just brilliant i'm so grateful for your time and for you chatting to me and um, we've as i said when we were chatting before we've never had a conversation before and i just messaged jane after she wrote something really brilliant on facebook and i thought i've got to get jane on the podcast so i really appreciate your time thank you so much can you tell us where we can find out more about you and i will put all the links in the show notes but if you can just say them out loud as well it's really helpful yeah so um so my website is www.waggawuffins.com um i'm also on i'm on loads of social media as well um but i do i'm a bit of feast and famine on social media <laughs> that's the way it should um, be <laughs> so yeah so like sometimes i'm on it and then other times i disappear and have a rest so um my my facebook is wagwolfins canine college i also have smart Pup, which is a puppy training subscription box um i've got i'm eight cockers and me on tiktok um, don't get involved in TikTok drama. I just post videos of dogs doing training. Brilliant. That's what we need to see. <laughs> and uh, I've got Instagram, which again is Wagwolfins Canine College. And um, also my Facebook page. I've got about three and a half thousand friends on there. So don't mind adding, adding a few more. <laughs> <laughs> I know, imagine if you had three and a half thousand friends in the 90s. It would have been very challenging, yeah, right. wouldn't it? I, I thought about it the other day and I just thought like, like in the 90s, how many friends did we have? <laughs> I know. You wouldn't even be able to fit three and a half thousand friends in like 
cream or like the hacienda yeah. or somewhere like that, would you? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my gosh. When you think about it like that, it's it's just crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think just the social interaction and I think like the algorithms on social media, I think, you know, they they're not daft and they attract things that to things that you like but they also like show you things that trigger you and like that's a really unhealthy part because I think you wouldn't and then people end up engaging with the things that trigger them and interacting with them and I think you know in the real world like like if there when there was no social media you wouldn't have engaged with that person in that way at all you'd probably never have met them (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> because you wouldn't interact in the same circles and I think you know so I think that there's like social media exposes us to a lot of things that we wouldn't be exposed to that's not always healthy yeah no thank you but on a positive note I it did pop up your post which I needed to see to stalk you and get you to have this chat with me so thank you (laughs) well listen jane it's been amazing chatting to you thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah if you want to get some wisdom in your life go and follow the links that i'm going to share in this episode but yeah it's just been brilliant talking to you thank you so i'm sitting here after this conversation with jane and she's just totally blown my socks off i really loved everything that she had to share and i said at the beginning uh, there was a lot of wisdom and I really think that there is. I'd love to know what you think as well. Do come and find me on social media. I'm at Rachel Spencer UK on all platforms and do go and find Jane as well um, and let her know what you think of what she's had to share here. Because one of the big takeaways um, that I had was about thinking about being what makes you happy versus what fuels your ego. Um, I thought that was a really important takeaway um, for me. Um, And I also loved what she shared about getting good at what you do and then getting better and then growing your business that way. Um, And yeah, and just being kind to yourself, really, trusting your gut and, you know, having a business that you love. You stepped away from your job, from your old life, because you wanted to do something that you love, something that you're passionate about. So sometimes I think we, we need a reminder of that, don't we? And I think this chat with Jane is a really good one. So hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week with the final episode of this season of the Your Pet Business Content Your Way podcast. If there is ever anyone who does things their way, it's definitely Jane Arden. And I'm just so chuffed to have had her on the show. See you on the next one. And thanks, Jane, for being a brilliant guest. Mm-hmm.